Father God, we are worn out. Some of us feel beat up. We're longing for a word from you. So we pray that your spirit would work by and with the words of our text to remind us of how great a God you truly are and how we should trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So about five years ago, I was out with some friends in the Sierra Nevada, uh, north of Yosemite. We were out for about a week. We were at our last campsite. Uh, We were camped above Varney Lake, which is this glorious uh, cobalt blue alpine lake, and we were up on a rock outcrop, which at the time, because it was a bright blue sky with puffy white clouds, seemed like a perfect place to camp, until it wasn't. Later that afternoon, the sky began to darken, Uh, the wind began to to get higher, Uh, we all crawled into our tents. I had a little one kilo uh, tent that was just big enough for me and my backpack, Um, and we we crawled in to get out of the, the driving rain that was coming down, and the wind began to howl, and the tent began to shake. And for a moment, I thought that the wind was just going to crush it around me. Um, had it propped up with my trekking poles. Uh, it's not very stable in the best of days. And the wind threatened to crush it. And then it started to feel like it was going to lift off and that I was going to be carried out over the lake itself off the edge of the cliff. Have you ever felt like that? Washed up, blown over, holding on for dear life and praying that God shows up. There are lots of storms that come into our lives. Some of them are real ones. Often they are metaphorical. Uh, It can be an accident that ends your athletic season or maybe even your athletic career that you're wrestling with. How could God let this happen? Could be the end of a relationship that you thought would be permanent, but it's gone. Uh, It could be recognizing that the career you had set your heart on uh, isn't actually one that you're well-suited to pursue. And now you're, you're kind of glancing around trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? It, it could be that you've just had a really, really hard semester. I know many of you have. And the author of Lamentations 3 says to us that because the Lord is faithful all the time, He's faithful. He will give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, as the hymn says. Um, Strength for today. The uh, context is probably familiar to you. Certainly, if you're in Old Testament right now, I think um, Scott and Luke and I are all at the same place. Uh, We've talked about the exile, 587, the destruction of Jerusalem, 20,000 of God's people carried off to Babylon the best, the brightest, uh, the temple laid waste. And the author, who is not identified, uh, who refers to himself only as um, the man who's seen affliction. Uh, Could it be Jeremiah? Absolutely. It sounds like the sort of thing he would say, and he would have witnessed this. And so, if occasionally I refer to him, uh, recognize that's not for certain, but could well be. But he begins by talking about all that's happened and how 
his vision for his life has been dashed, and he, he talks about the Lord in ways that you might find almost blasphemous if they weren't found in the Word of God. He speaks first of the Lord as a rogue shepherd. Verse 1 of chapter 3, I'm the man who's seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. You remember David in Psalm 23 says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But here the rod is an object of terror. He's driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He feels like God is wailing on him with his rod. Then he sees him as a jailer. Verse 7, he's walled me about so I can't escape. He's made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my way with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. And then he shifts to seeing God as the hunter. And this man that's seen God's affliction is the hunted. He's the prey. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He's turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He's bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrows. He feels as if God is using him for target practice. And then he says this, which I think is the worst part of the whole passage. Verse 16, he's made my teeth grind on gravel. He is down in the dust. And if that's where the author stayed, we would all be in despair, as he says that he nearly is. But that's not where he stays. He says, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Yet, verse 21, this I call to mind. And the English doesn't really capture the Hebrew. Um, when he calls it to mind or to heart, he is exercising the act of the will. He is saying, I'm not going to judge who God is by my circumstances. I'm going to remind myself, I'm going to remember what kind of God it is, how great my God is. For the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You'll recall that that phrase translated steadfast love, um, or the Christian Standard Bible, I think, translates it faithful love, is an attempt to render in English the Hebrew word hesed. Hesed is an extraordinary, voluntary love of generosity. From someone who is in a position of power and influence to someone who is in dire straits and really without any hope, those who are vulnerable. And in the context of God and His people, it's not just that God loves you, it is that God has promised His loyalties, pledged that to you every day for the rest of your life. He is the faithful God, and His steadfast love never fails, never ceases. His mercies, that Hebrew word rahmin, is... Um, it's a word that at its root talks about the womb. So, it, picture a young mother with a baby, right? Some of you are going home to see the fam this coming week, and you're going to see nephews and nieces, 
And as you see one of your brothers or sisters holding their child, you realize that that's a picture of what God is doing for us. He is holding us tightly in His arms. He is not going to let go, and He is as attentive to your cry as any human mother is to her child. Those mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Today's English version puts this brilliantly. It says, sure as the sunrise. Right? You remember what Annie sings? The sun will come up tomorrow as surely as that is true. So God's mercies will never come to an end. Great is your emunah, your faithfulness. God has pledged to be faithful to you. And what the man who has seen God's affliction says is, I know that this is what is true of my God, so despite how my circumstances appear, I will put my trust and my hope in Him, because He is the one who has pledged Himself to me. If that's true, it changes everything, doesn't it? Um, on another trip in the Sierra, we were out for a week doing the High Sierra Trail, and we came to a river crossing, and there was something I very rarely see. There was a mama bear with her cubs on the other side. Now, there's one of the things you learn when you're out hiking, right, about mama bears. You never, ever want to get between them and their cubs. So, we were grateful that there was this dry riverbed uh, between us, but we were watching her, and she was trying to get them to go up from the, the creek up to an embankment, and they were kind of struggling, and so she was kind of ramming them from behind, uh, encouraging them to go up, right? And, and it made me think of that fierce love that a mama bear has for cubs. But beloved, that's nothing compared to the fierce love that your God has for you right? If that is the case, then what Eric Little, the hero of Chariots of Fire, says is surely true. Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless among the ruins. Dr. Jimmy Egan put it this way. He said, when you come around the corner and meet a mama grizzly, it really matters whether you're the hunter or the baby bear, Right? God is not your adversary. No, I can't explain the things He's doing in your life right now or the things that He's permitting to happen, but this much I know. We know His character, right? His steadfast, unshakable, unbreakable, irrevocable covenant love will be there today, tomorrow, and every day for the rest of your lives. His mercies will not come to an end. His faithfulness will not fail you. And if you know that, if you know this God, then you fix your eyes on Him. And if you're saying, well, how, how do I know it's true? Well, you look at the cross, right? Kelly Capnick often says, if you want to know how God feels about your broken heart, you look at Jesus on the cross, bearing the penalty for our sin, living the life we couldn't live, dying the death we dare not die. And you see the extent to which God will go to prove His love to His people. And that's not just to His people corporately, though that surely is true, but it's to us individually as well. Those who put their hope 
in the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Are you out of gas? Has your strength failed? Cry out to Him. But not just strength for tomorrow. He promises, or strength for today, He promises bright hope for tomorrow. Look at what the man who has seen God's affliction says. Um, Verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Uh, He begins by referencing the Levite who had no land, no inheritance of his own other than the Lord. The Lord Himself was His inheritance. And He says, the Lord's my portion, therefore I will hope in Him. Beloved, hope is not something that God just gives us. Hope is the person of Jesus. And if you have Him, you have everything. And whatever comes into your life, you will never face alone. He will be right there with you. Therefore, I'll hope in Him. And it's not the kind of hope uh, that I had during the baseball season that something miraculous would happen and the Cardinals would pull out of their slump. Worst season ever. We could have used a rally cat, if you know that reference. Um, It's not like that. That's wishful thinking. This is overwhelming confidence that is grounded in the character of our God, of whom we just sang, so that those who go in weeping will come out with songs of joy. And the author says, I am confident of that. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of of the Lord. Why? Well, because the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. We're to be a hopeful people, but beloved, we have to be a patient people as well. Got up this morning. Buddy followed me out. He knows the routine. Buddy is my teaching assistant. Uh, He's a golden retriever. Um, Yeah, he, he doesn't talk much. But as one student said yesterday, he's very wise. He's like a sage. So um, I I took him outside, came in. He knows the drill. He sits very quietly while I make coffee because nothing important happens until I've had coffee. Amen? Yeah. And, um, but he knows that after I've had a couple of of sips of coffee, what I'll do, I will go and I will get his bowl and I will fill it with delicious food and he'll have breakfast, and then I'll rub his tummy, and then he'll go off to take a post-breakfast nap. It has always been, it shall always be that way. He would no more expect the sun to fail to rise than that I would come to his aid. And that's how you and I have to be. Um, It's really interesting. That that Hebrew word jahal, that um, in verse 24 is translated as, I will hope in Him. It also means to wait, because waiting and hoping are, are inextricably linked together. That tension between the already in which we're living right now and the not yet, that which will be the, the restoration and consummation of all things, means that there will always be a longing in our hearts for things to be different than they are. There will always be a wrestling with the brokenness that we daily experience as friends or our bodies 
or the system fail us in a myriad of ways or we fail ourselves. And the author says, but even so, it's good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. Wait for it. It will come. Overwhelming confidence. Charles Spurgeon said, the Father promised to give me to the Son to be part of the infinite reward of the travail of his soul. So until God himself is unfaithful, or Jesus ceases to be the truth, my soul is safe. I don't know what storms you're facing today. Well, some of you I do, and I pray for you. But I know this much. Someone infinitely greater than anyone that loves you on this earth is praying for you right now by name. The Holy Spirit who leads you, who uh, gives you the assurance that you are the Lord's, right? He is praying for you with groans too deep for words. Jesus, Paul says in Romans 8, who died more than that, was raised to life, is standing at the right hand of the Father. What's He doing? He's interceding for you by name. When He's written your name on His palms, He will never forget you. I might forget to feed Buddy, but the Lord will never forget to come mighty to save. Look, I'm not telling you to ignore your circumstances. They are real, and sometimes they're visceral. But don't just look at the circumstances. Look at the Lord Jesus. He is the same God who on the Sea of Galilee, when the disciples said, Lord, don't you care if we drowned? Called out in a strong, quiet, completely in command voice, peace, be still. He has not promised we won't go through the fire or the flood, but He has promised He will be right there with us when we do. And our hope is not yet complete, but one day we will see Him face to face. That year that we saw the baby bear, uh, we went out over, uh, we had done the High Sierra Trail 70 miles east to west over the Continental Divide. Uh, we went out over New Army Pass, which Kim Stanley Robinson actually says is one of the most singularly beautiful passes in the Sierra. So you really need to go and check it out. Uh, but when we got to the top, we saw what we could not see before, that the forest uh, in the direction that we were heading was on fire. And we just went through the forest fire this past couple of weeks, so, so you can kind of picture there was smoke billowing, uh, there were these uh, aircrafts that were dropping fire retardant, red fire retardant, uh, down on it. We could picture uh, in our minds anyway that CAL FIRE probably had crews uh, all over the place. And so we started down um, from the pass to go to the lakes to camp that night before going out the next day. And along the way, we met some climbers, and they said, um, the road is closed. <laughs> it's cut off. You're cut off. You're not getting out. No one's getting in. They've got a roadblock 12 miles south. And so the next day we got up and we hiked the eight miles to the trailhead and sure enough, nothing was happening. Not another soul in sight. And I'm thinking to myself, Paul Morton's going to be really ticked off if I don't show up for faculty retreat Monday. <laughs> and Kathy may be a little ticked off as well. We have got to get out of here. Lord, surely you knew that we were headed into a fire please show up. And I'm not making this up. 
But in the next few moments, I see a guy coming off a different trail to the same trailhead with his pack on. And so I kind of jog over to talk to him and said, hey, how is your trip? How's it going? He said, great. Turns out he was a professor from Point Loma Nazarene College, which is a sister school in the Christian College Consortium. And he looked at me and he looked at the guys I was with. He said, huh, do you guys need a ride or something? I've got a 10-passenger van. <laughs> yeah, sure, that, that would be sweet. <laughs> so he drives us out. There is fire on either side of the road. There are crews from all over California and the Pacific Northwest that are fighting it. And we get to the roadblock, and the state trooper just shakes his head and waves us on through. And the Lord delivered us out of the fire. Now, it's just a picture. But it's a picture of the fact that your God is faithful. Whatever you are crying out to Him for today, He will answer that prayer. It may be yes, it may be no, because you and I don't always know what we should ask for. Could very well be, wait. But that He will come, you need never doubt. Pray with me. Father God, what a faithful God you are. Your steadfast love never fails. Your mercies are new every morning. So great is your faithfulness. Father, would you be faithful to my young brothers and sisters today? Would you give them the assurance of your love? Would you move in supernatural ways to address their longings and their needs and the pain that they feel? That we might, having come in weeping, go out singing songs of joy. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.